Okay, everyone, quick question. Have you ever been told that you're not ready, you don't know enough, or that you might be reaching too high and you should just stay in your lane? One of the things that I always talk about, like I'm now 26 and I've been in a lot of situations where people have doubted me and there have been distinctive moments in my life that I realize have always prepared me for where I'm at today. One of them obviously being the New York Stock Exchange. Enter Lauren Simmons. She's the only full-time female broker as well as the only African-American. She became the youngest woman ever to trade on the New York Stock Exchange. The youngest full-time female broker on the floor here. If you look at it on paper, like it didn't make sense. I was a woman from the South. I was a woman of color. I didn't go to school for finance. I didn't go to an Ivy League, right? But out of but out of all places, I ended up at the New York Stock Exchange. I didn't look for the New York Stock Exchange. The New York Stock Exchange found me. I was offered a job as an equity trader the moment I stepped on the floor. Clients doubted me, colleagues doubted me. People would say, oh, but you're a woman and you're a woman of color. Are you really gonna enjoy doing this? Yes, I said it then and I'll say it now. I thrive on people who doubt me. The day I took the Series 19, the stock exchange exam with an 80% fail rate, my male coworkers were openly taking bets against me. When my scores came in, the room went silent. You could hear a pin drop. I made history. Later, when I left the trading floor, all the men told me, you're doing this too early. What are you going to do with your career? I bet on me, and I always will. I may not have all the answers, but I know I'll be successful at anything I put my mind to. I'm Lauren Simmons. Welcome to my podcast, Mind Body Wealth. This podcast is not your typical finance podcast. If you're looking for a finance podcast, there is a dime a dozen out there. We are gonna have conversations with dynamic thought leaders having layered conversations where yes, in essence, finance will be the conversation, but it's really the mindset, it's the body, how they're all interconnected, how they're working together and how they've got quote unquote successful people to where they're at today. Yes, you're gonna learn. Yes, I'm going to educate you. Yes, I'm going to empower you. Yes, I'm gonna be vulnerable. And yes, we're gonna go on this journey together. Say whatever you want to say. I'm here to live my best life. And if I can do that, so can you. Let's get to it. On this first episode, we're going to be talking to my friend, Chef Jordan Andino, about how his relationship with money has changed and how he's become more in tune with himself along the way. And later, I'm going to get questions from you guys, my listeners. We're talking all about investing in yourself, investing in your purpose, your passions, your beliefs. And when it comes to channeling that passion into money moves, there's no one better to learn from than Chef Jordan Andino. So let's find out all about his evolved relationship with money and how he's still figuring out how to get it to all work for him. Thanks for having me, Lauren. I'm stoked to be here and can't wait to be talking about the money moves. And I, I want to learn. I want to learn yeah, from you. I'm That's so- why I'm here, actually. All these conversations, yeah, we're, we're going to learn. Um, so we're going to dive right into it. Let's do it. What's your credit score? 
722. Amazing! <laughs> Deb, you went you went in though. I li- I like that. That's the opening, <laughs> and that also wasn't a question that you sent me before. <laughs> so I was like, no. oh, cool. Yeah, we're we're diving right into it. I I love having these conversations about what your relationship with money is, right? And I think it's so taboo in this world that we live in, where people don't want to to share that, but it's important to share, especially with your friends and family, and you know, some stranger on you know a podcast. <laughs> it wasn't always like that, but like that's that's a new score for me. Like that shit ain't that's that's new. Let's talk about that. So like new as in in the past year, in the past two years, the past year. Like very recently, I got that. And when, I remember when I saw it, I was like, word, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm smiling ear to ear because it's taken me so long. And I'm finally at a point where I have my debt under control. I have, it's, I, I wouldn't even call it healthy debt. And I'm in a place where I'm like sick. Like I can actually make money moves, make sound investments without having to worry about living paycheck to paycheck for the first time since I became a professional in 2010. I love that. And, you know, the thing is, you, you kind of touched on it is, is debt and, and having healthy debt. Like, I don't want anyone listening or anyone out there thinking that you shouldn't be carrying debt. Like, I don't know why debt is such a taboo thing. Like, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're in a business, you're going to be carrying debt. Debt is important, but making sure that that ratio is balanced is everything. And once you do that, then, then you see certain things like your credit score come up. I, I agree. It, the, the score... Not even necessarily how high it is, but it's more, okay, I'm in a place in my life where my priorities, not necessarily even just my prioritization of money, but my priorities on what I want next. So now I'm going to start planning because I didn't really care when I was younger. Now I do. Well, let's dive a little deeper into trying to figure out how you got to be Jordan 2021. How was your relationship with money growing up? And are there any lessons that you learned from your parents or family? It was tough because I didn't come from money. My parents are immigrants from the Philippines. I was the first person born outside of the Philippines in my family. I was born in Toronto, Canada, uh, to not well-to-do family by any means. And my mom started making money because she was modeling and acting. But as soon as her money started coming in, you know, she was pretty frivolous with it and irresponsible with it. And then learned quickly that now that she had a kid that that's not something that you know, she can afford to do. My dad, on the other hand, is a chef and also started making good money, but he was always irresponsible with it. You know, it's, it's tough because you, people who you idolize and who you respect end up showing you what you think is the right way, but you, you don't know the right way until you kind of read more, learn more, find out what your friends and other family members are like and have these open and honest conversations. And just like anything, especially when you're in the professional world, you know, you, you have a mentor, you have a manager, you have a a coworker, and you always want to try to take the good things that you like about what they do, what they say, how they live, and then push away the bad. And that's kind of what I did with my parents. I love that. Family is usually the first exposure we get when it comes to money and how we feel about money. So it's great that you were able to learn some valuable lessons from that. As someone who's passionate about self-healing and self-worth, I try to be in tune with my body. We're going to shift gears just a little bit and make sure I give it the food that it needs. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are around that and what parallels could you draw about how we should think about our finances? I I think that's a great question. And the way I look at it, if you're going to, let's say, look at your body as, as an 
kind of machine that gets you like th- through the day. That's one element of your life. And that's kind of how I look at the finance too. So I'll bring it to the food first. So, you know, some people choose to treat their body like a roller coaster, like an amusement park. That's me, honestly. I'll go through crash diets, I'll drink a lot, then I won't, then I'll go vegan, then vegetarian, and then I'll just eat pizza and meat and pork and fat and fried food, but then I'll just eat salads for a month. Like my body is is the roller coaster, okay? And my body will reflect that physically. Like you will see either myself gain weight or I will lose it. That's for a while how I lived my financial life too. I was all over the place. I treated my bank account like a roller coaster. Like there there was no such thing as a savings. Paycheck to paycheck was great. Or if I got a fat check, I didn't invest it. It's the same kind of thing. So when you're looking to money, the parallel that I would draw is, you know, treat yourself so that your machine of your body can continue operating at a high and effective level. So you need to do the same thing when you're talking about money. You need to treat your bank account so it can keep operating for you at a high effective level for a long period. I always speak to, at least on the the financial business entrepreneur side, like how you are with your personal finances is how you're going to be with your business finances. And so if you're not in a healthy place, but I've never thought to think of, well, how you are when it comes to your body and your mental capacity and, you know, the work that you're putting in there, it's probably going to be a reflection on how you are with your finances. Like they're all interconnected. And how can we merge them all together and all get to a healthy place? Yes, absolutely. I, the way I live my life, once my, finan- my finances are in order, that kind of sets the standard for the rest of my life. Because the way I look at it, if there's a good nest egg, there's a savings, there's something there that I, I don't have to worry about, then I can start focusing on the other things that will bring me happiness and longevity. Can you speak about how you let your passion be your guide for some of the decisions you've made in your life or career? Or Jordan, is there something else that drives you? So I think my passion, is, it's actually the only thing that drives my choices and my decisions for my career. I'm someone that believes that passion, regardless of how long it takes, will eventually lead you to success. People resonate. People are motivated. People are drawn to like a magnetic force, your passion for whatever it is. And so I, I ensure that my passion is what drives me and is what motivates me. And I know if I do that, then it'll then motivate people and draw people to my cause, to my business, or just to me as a, as a human. I want to know some of your early financial mistakes you remember making in your career. That's such an interesting question because I've made my mistakes, and there are mistakes if you look at it outside looking in, but the way I think of it, they're not mistakes. It, that helped me get to where I am. So here's a perfect example. I had a $13,000 limit on a MasterCard. I never, I never used it. And then my last year of Cornell, me and two buddies were like, what are we doing for a graduation before we start our jobs? And I was like, I'll go to Europe. And we just booked a one-way ticket, JFK, Madrid. Who knows what's going to happen? Whatever. And I maxed it at the end of that. Oh I went to 25 cities. 11 countries, and I traveled for four months. And I could just tell you, I took a summer trip, I went $13,000 into debt, I was making no income. That's a mistake. Like You would see that as a financial analyst and go, that was a mistake. Mm -hmm. But did I also try food in 25 different cities, Mm. two restaurants a day? Mm -hmm. Did I also visit 11 different countries and meet 
people in their homes and try vishne, which is a sour cherry ice cream in Sholta in the Dalmatian Islands in Croatia? Or did I go to the oldest restaurant, the uh, Cuchillos de Cabareos in Madrid? Uh, yeah, like, so it's a mistake, yes, financially, but that changed who I am as a chef to this day. I, I think that there there can be value adds like when it comes to finances and, and having healthy financial habits. We do have to quote unquote make these mistakes, but they're not necessarily mistakes, especially if you learn a lesson out of it and you gain knowledge and wisdom through it. Like for you as a chef, like that makes sense. Traveling the world, like you got to experience so much, so many different foods, understand where food comes from. And that that's a beautiful thing. I mean, on the other side of it, when you came back home, you're thinking, okay, now I have $13,000 in debt. How am I going to pay this off? I have no income, but it helped grow you as a person. You know, at times I think that that may be irresponsible, but at no point when I was spending all this money on these dinners, on these trips, on these relationships, I did it because I had no doubt that I would work a thousand times harder with the information that I would gain from those experiences. So I just, I always believed in my passion for work and, and drive and ambition. So I just, that was an investment. So I always looked at any dollar I spent as an investment. I was just about to say, no, th th those would be considered investments, which I totally, absolutely, wholeheartedly agree with. What is the value add that is going to come from this? I think there is a clear distinction between traveling for four months with your friends right out of college and spending 13000 versus buying a gold chain, buying some Yeezys, buying some clothes. Like, what, what is the experience? What is the value add there? And so you always want to be looking into, is what I'm spending an investment? It is okay to have these experiences in these moments, but you before you make these decisions, I want you to really think about what is this going to be for me long term? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, so the final question, what's the best financial and or career advice you can give to anyone who might still be trying to figure it out? Wow, uh, th th that's a multi-layer question. I would say the first thing that comes to mind is knowing that your worth isn't defined by your net worth. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I hope people realize that. Like, you could have zero dollars or you could be like me and have negative $180,000. But I still don't think that, that that tells the world what I'm worth. But along the way, I take these lessons and I use them as key motivators. And the one thing that sticks to me to this day, I'll never forget it, it was October 19, 2011. I was on 49th and 10th Avenue and I had to go to Union Square, which is four avenues down and... 39 blocks south. Typically, I skate. It's pretty fun. It's great. Grab a car, hold on to the back of a truck. It's super fun. So this time, I look outside. It's wet. No problem. I'll take the train. I get there. I swipe. No money on the Metro card. No problem. I'll put more money in. Try to put 225 at the time onto my card. Could not get it. Swipe the credit card. Denied. Declined. Maxed. Swipe my other one. Declined. Maxed. So I'm like, okay. Do I jump the turnstile? I got to get to work. Couldn't jump the turnstile. It was the one where it had the grates across, so you, you couldn't jump. I'm just like, okay, so it's fine. It's fine. It's not that far. I go up, torrential downpour. 
I walked 39 blocks in, the, in a torrential downpour and I will never forget ever to this day it fucking, it just lives in my heart, in my soul, in my brain, that feeling of just defeat. Every step I took, I felt like New York was biting down on me and my world was getting smaller and I'll never forget the feeling and I was just like, wow, I, the, you, you're, you're trying to fuck me over, you're trying to beat me, you're trying to win. And I'm like, the whole time I'm like, I'm gonna use this. I feel like the lowest I've ever felt, but I will never forget this feeling and I will use it every day and I'll remember it every second of every day to motivate me to never have this feeling again. Ah, oh, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. I'll never forget it. I know the feeling now. I can feel the shame in my own self. I feel it right now as if I'm there, but I'll never feel that way again. So I hope people can kind of just understand that and truly believe that and believe in themselves. Thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate it. This was so good. No, this is great. I love this. This is fun. I could do this all the fucking time. <laughs> Welcome back. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, we are going to be going on this journey together. And as such, I'm going to be hearing questions from you guys and really get to understand what you all want to know. So here's our first ever listener question. Hi, my name is Jovan, and my question is about crypto. I'm thinking of investing in it. Do you think it's a wise decision? In order to answer Jovan's question, there are a few things that I want us to think about today. Crypto has definitely opened up the eyes of the world. But I remember being back on the trading floor in 2017 when cryptocurrency became mainstream and everyone was talking about it. It was hot. I remember watching a YouTube video back in 2017 of Nipsey Hussle and how he was talking about the value of cryptocurrency and how he thought it would become the wave of the future. There's a huge amount of value in this cryptocurrency space with trading and exchanging different forms of currency. It's very similar to the stock market. So there's people over the last five, six years that became very successful trading currencies via different platforms. You know, it's, it's, it's being informed in real time. And I feel like that's the generation we living in, you know? It ain't no read the newspaper, we checking Twitter. Prior to his untimely death in 2019, Nipsey was a huge proponent of cryptocurrency. And that clip, I felt like Nipsey was talking to our generation, my generation. But with that being said, there are other leaders also in this space that come from more traditional conservative backgrounds. And for me, as a person who worked on Wall Street, who worked in traditional conservative finance, it is important to hear their voices as well. So here's a clip in 2018 in which Warren Buffett is talking to CNBC about his views of cryptocurrency. People, they like to speculate. They like to gamble. And it's buying something because you expect the pool of people who want to buy it because they want to sell it to somebody else will grow. And, and it does create a rising price does create more buyers and people think I've got to get in on this. And, and it's better if they don't understand it. That's the other thing about non-productive. If you don't understand it, you get much more excited than if you understand it. When I've spoken to experts in the space and have asked the simple question, what is cryptocurrency? A lot of them don't have an answer. And I truly believe that anything that you're investing in shouldn't be overly complicated. If it is, red flag, run away. 
Nipsey obviously has the passion and I love that. And I think it's great that cryptocurrency has disrupted the traditional finance space and has given people like you and me an opportunity to invest in real time. Look, I don't want to make decisions for you and I won't tell you how to invest your money. But for me, I'm a person that really believes in ESG investing, which is environmental, social, governance, investing. And if we're just looking at the blockchain technology behind crypto, which is complicated and it shouldn't be complicated, it consumes so much energy. And to me, that is a big thing for someone who is very much into environmental, social issues. If you're looking to invest, being a minority, being a woman, or anyone who's never had a seat at the table, there's other opportunities that are out there. And one of the ways is through pre-IPO investing, companies that you love, brands that you love, brands that you know are doing the work. They make diversity and inclusion an important issue. They are giving back to the community. They are looking at environmental issues. And you don't have to be an institutional investor. You don't have to have a lot of capital and money. You can put a little bit in, but you believe in the brand and you wanna see the brand grow but also just, again, back to educating and realizing that there are other avenues. As I said at the beginning of this episode, when it comes to investing, it's all about investing in what makes sense to you. Whether it means investing in your beliefs, your concerns, your ideals, or your passions, if investing in crypto is something that sounds exciting to you, I just encourage you to do your research and to be informed. I hope today's conversations help shape your mindset around what it means to invest. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Join me, Lauren Simmons, on our next episode of Mind Body Wealth dropping next week. I look forward to hearing more about your views and your money moves. Until next time. Mind Body Wealth with Lauren Simmons is a Spotify original production from Best Case Studios. It's executive produced by Lauren Simmons and produced by Ayana Angel. From Spotify, executive producers are Gina Delvac and Jifa Yador. Producer is Tierra Darnell. Executive producer for Best Case is Adam Pincus. For Best Case, our producer is Lauren Chin. Ali Gallo is our associate producer. Aaron Allen and Stephanie Geary are the editorial directors. Our editor is Dean White with the help from Abby Austria. Thanks to Eduardo Perez for additional editing and all kinds of ideas and support for this series. Thanks to Marmoset and Five Alarm for this music. And special thanks to Kevin Bam, Colin Frederick, and Hannah Lebowitz-Lockard. At Best Case, Evan Tarantino, Bree Bird, Amanda Long, Jordan Tochinski at Spotify for production support, and Ashley Acevedo and Arabella Roberts at Artist First.